this, the guest speaker for the day. Hold on. Here he is. Here's the guest speaker. We need it. Oh, yeah, there he is. He's going to lead the chanting today. <laughs> We're going to have chanting today. <laughs> I don't think they can hear me. Am I muted yet? We're muted? Oh, non muted. Right. We're going to do a Zoom at the same time. Yeah. So, all right. Well, if there's anyone, Mike, anyone has a question there or something? Anybody want to raise their hand? He's great. Wow. The mascot. Yeah. What? No? Mm, All right. Well, let's just, let's just present it in. Uh, yeah. So the idea, the topic that we speak under is, a, is an idea called non-duality. Yeah. So non means not and duality means two. So it's almost as if if you come from recovery, there was a book by uh, Chuck C called The New Pair of Glasses. It's sort of like uh, an understanding that's like a new pair of glasses. And the understanding is based on this idea of non-duality, which is a negation of this idea of subject, object, see or seen, think or thought. Yeah. So it gives complete uh, clarity about this thinking and feeling, but it questions the idea that there's a long lasting, independent, separate thinker or feeler. In other words, there's a whole lot of doing, but there's not really a doer there. Yeah. And there was a famous statement reported to be to have been said by Lord Buddha, which was, he makes something pretty obvious. He, he says, events happen and deeds are done. Yeah. So today is an event a rather small one or a large one, it doesn't matter, but events are happening and deeds are being done, yet there's no individual doer thereof. So this is the whole premise of non-duality, isn't to question the thoughts or the feelings or the actions, it's to question the idea of being the actor, the thinker and the feeler. Yeah? Because obviously most people aren't being defeated by thoughts, they're being defeated by my thoughts. So if you had a thought, let's say Ed had a thought and it was bothering him quite a lot. Uh, if I was sitting right next to it, it's not contagious. I don't, I don't get infected as long as I'm seeing it as his thought. It doesn't seem to bother me. But the same thought in my in this head held as my thought could ruin my day. Yeah. So people put a lot of emphasis on thought but it's a misdiagnosis. It's the idea of being the thinker. The thinker is really where the bondage lies. Yeah, the thoughts are used to to uh, to uh, express the bondage. But the real link, the real key, is the is the idea of being the thinker. So non-duality is a negation of this new duality of subject-object. So there's an activity. Let's say there's we say in recovery conscious contact. So Conscious contact to me is consciousness in contact. Yeah? It doesn't say Paul in contact or Bill, it's conscious contact. And so consciousness in contact is the seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Other animals have more senses of contact. Some insects have nine uh, interfaces with experience. Yeah? So, but we have five, and then we have the sixth sense, which is mind dwelling over shit. Yes. 
So there's this conscious contact happening. So they're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. And when we were babies, if that was even the case, a baby is exhibiting seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, yes? But what happens is when the brain gets developed and the mental activities get developed, the seeing somehow is used to imply the seer, the hearer. You can see it with kids. When they hit two years old, they go into that mind. So before they were playing with a toy, now they don't want to play with Billy with my toy. Yes? So something happens, something gets developed, and that which gets developed doesn't accompany the rest, it dominates the rest after a while. So like when I was a kid, I wasn't in a violent situation and shit like that. So life was happening, just doing whatever was going on. And then slowly but surely, the mental state took over and it was life's happening to me. Yeah, so I started to develop. I didn't, I, I didn't grow it. It grew in this possibility of a self-centered view. Yeah, so I started to see everything as how it pertains to me. Hmm. You know, that could be a main uh, engine of a house of mirrors, yes? So you're gonna see mountains as molehills and molehills as mountains, yes? There's a distortion, a constant distortion, and we're reacting as if it's real, yes? And therefore, the reaction supports the, the unreality of that event as a real, a real event, and so on and so forth. So we get, a lot of us got to a point where the irritability, restlessness, and discontent was so uncomfortable, we were looking around for something. Yeah, to give us relief. And for me, you know, I got introduced to drinking when I was 12. And, uh, and then it just went off from there. And what I found out over time, mostly after I got sober was the alcoholic of my type was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow, not to feel uncomfortable now. That's slavery, really, if you look at it. It's slavery. So something that actually isn't happening is causing me to act out as if it is happening. And it leads me to great lengths. And like, unfortunately or fortunately for me, when I drank a used, I realized quickly I have a magnetic appeal to people in uniform. Like I put out a dog whistle that fucking attracted authorities. Hey, Paul. So, Paul. You're slipping down again. All right, I'm slipping down. Who cares? It's just the voice, right? We do. All right. No, Let it's, me... nice to, it's nice to see the face go with the voice. All right. Let me, let me know. Let's just keep up. So uh, it's a long explanation, but basically the real relief that non-duality offers is not a new way of getting out of what you think you're in, but a sincere questioning, are you in? Yeah. And I found I was an expert of getting out. But in this case, the wisdom isn't getting out, is realizing you're not in, basically. Yeah, so it's like a weird, bizarro world move. So I escape, the great wisdom of no escape is there's no escape from an imaginary condition. Yeah, now I think it's as real as real as I'm living out that condition, but in fact, it's imaginary, yes? It's made up in our heads. And uh, 
there's relief. Now, relief isn't the type of relief like, oh, it's going to suck for a while and then you're going to get eased up and it'll be relief. No, it's a relief before that. Before that duality of relief and then stress, relief and stress, yes? It's a relief from that. You get relieved on a broad level and therefore it allows this, which I couldn't pull it off a day at a time. I was quite outmatched and not managerial quality. It allows this for 34 years to uh, travel through life uh, in a much lighter manner, yeah? It didn't change everything, but it allowed me to travel through whatever life had in store for me, yeah? And because I had a bit of a road record before, and even before, you know, the drinking and using, I could see just through observation that something's working and how we explain it in recovery is, you know, something is doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. Yes. Now, I feel that something that's doing for us may be really what we are. Yeah. And the selves is what we're not. Seriously, I believe the higher power, as we call it in, in, in recovery, is always available at all times, right where you are, which implies that it's probably you. In a sense, yeah. So you don't try to get to that you through the false you. You see the false you from this you, just like recovery. Recovery does not try to bring about a better mental condition. It tries to bring about a spiritual awakening. It's that has nothing. To, it's not looking for a solution in the mental realm because it sees that's where the problem resides. So it goes to and. It gives it another name, spirit. It could have been called anything as long as it wasn't in the mental state. Yeah, because that's where the problem resides. And Einstein said it, a number of people say it. You can't seek a solution from the system that's making up the problem. It's just, it's just insane. And a lot of us do that. It's called self-reliance. So in recovery, you admit to yourself that you've been defeated by self, by its manifestations. And then uh, hopefully you see this idea of self as other. So then there's a possibility of being free from it. But the act of being identified is so stubborn that you'll probably take yourself to be a, a self that's trying to get out of self. And then you get caught in that net. Yes. So this whole point is just a recognition of what you're not from what you are. Instead of trying to rec recognize what you are from what you're not. It's just a simple little move, yeah, but I mean, it's a huge difference. The horse before the cart as a way of life is, it's like Zen would say, you know, you'll see blue is blue and red is red, everything will be clear. Now the fact of non-duality is the horse is always in front of the cart, but we're living as if the cart is in front of the horse, yes? So we take, the seer to be the one who's seeing when the seeing is how the seer is derived yeah so the seeing the event of conscious contact is claimed by the mental state and it makes up you and now the seer becomes emphasized and the seeing is forgotten yeah the hearing no it's the hearer the acting no it's the actor and this little self-centered myopic view chokes us from possibilities really most possibilities are put into a future 
with a lot of fucking conditions and requirements to, to be met. And uh, the relief from that is now, yeah? And it's inherently available. And there's not much you need to do, really. You just come to a, a new recognition and uh, the chips fall as they may, you know? It's that simple. I mean, I heard this, I was sober about eight or nine years sober. I heard this idea, and to me, the only solution I ever ran into in, in, in life was getting struck sober. Yeah, totally lost all hope. I'd spent two years and three months in programs. I'd visited a lot of jails, gotten run over by car twice, by the same car, spent a lot of time in hospital beds. And all were associated with the desire to get out of self, yeah, through the form of drinking and using. Yeah, so one day, regular day at the office, just trying to, I have no money though, which was a drag. So I had to convince other people to do what I wanted, which I wasn't doing that well with. So I was just drinking some shit, just trying to fucking hope someone would show up with some cash. Hey, bro. Hey. And, uh, hey, Chris, can you get me another chair? Another lady's here coming. Thank you. Yeah. I was just trying to stay obliviated until I got another possibility. And uh, I was just going off on a little thing with recovery. Yeah. And then I got something just shut the screen for a second or two. And that same old, same old that was always running. See, see the thing that was running under the bottom of the screen overwhelmed whatever was happening on the screen. My head was following that little ticker tape. You're fucked. This isn't going to work out. I swear to God, it didn't matter what was going on. That was basically what was going on. So that got erased for a little bit. And then something hit me, which was... It was just like a CNN news flash. You're fucked. And that, my muscle of denials looked like Barney Schwarzenegger's. I was trying, I was keeping so much shit out, it just collapsed on me. Because there was a, there was going to be an invitation. That's why it collapsed. It wasn't going to stay collapsed. But collapsing seemed to have to happen for the invitation to be received. So... It collapsed, and then it told right underneath that it said, "You're not managerial quality." So let's just give up that idea. And then, whammo! From that day on, I've been clean and sober, and I've never had a strong thought or a feeling about drinking or using. That's a fucking incredible solution, you. Yeah, I didn't even have to really. I had a struggle with a lot of bad behavior and emotional unavailability. Those shit, I had a grow grow up but that urge that was constantly being stoked was not there so and how it was stoked by was a lot of thoughts and feelings about it and i didn't have them anymore it's incredible i mean i really to me it was like my idea of solution was never even close to that kind of solution my solution had always had a lot of work involved with it this solution was not no work the work was recovering, but the fact is that urge was just removed. Never has never come back. Close my mind, yeah. 
Now, nine years into recovery, seven, or I don't know how long, I get introduced to another, another message, and that message is non-duality. And non-duality was like the second solution, which is always the first solution. Seriously. You know, but it appeared in time as the second solution. And I heard satsang just like this. And uh, man, it, one was like an unspoken yes, it hit me. It was just, it felt like this is knowledge before all knowledge. I just, and I, and basically there was just a giving up a ghost. I never asked questions after a while. And I was just convinced, you know, of what was being said. And I read a couple of books and uh, they would just produce pauses. You know, I would run into something that just described the mental condition that I thought was me, like in a sentence. And I would, you know, if you told me, if you asked me to tell you about me, it would have been 36 years. It was like one sentence saying, <laughs> self trying to get out of self, basically. And I was like, what? It just showed me, scanned most of my life and just said, basically, that's what's been going on. What? No matter, forget about the particulars. This was it. Yeah. And the dilemma is you're not in self to get out of it. <laughs> so as the more you try to get out of it, the more you're reinforcing the belief that you're in it. And your power of belief is incredible. We make mountains out of molehills. We make shit out of nothing. So if that power is put into this, this point of view, when you're trying to get out of it, you're reinforcing it. And Ramana Maharshi explained it perfectly. He says, your spiritual practices themselves will be uh, reinforcing this idea of this non-existent thing. How can they destroy it? While you're thinking you're in the busily destroying something, some on some other level it's reinforcing this something without us knowing yeah and this is what non-duality brings about it gives us an understanding to see a lot of the unsuspecting stuff going on and see it not from the system because the system will never get a clear view of itself it's a built-in blindness to it but we're not of the system yes we're not of that no matter how much you believe you're in it and you're going to believe you're in it, and you believe you were in it, you're not of it. You're not of it. You're not of the glove material. No matter how much you feel like you've been in the glove or been the glove, you're not of the glove material. You're not a mental fabric. You don't have a corroding thread running through it. It's nothing like that. Yeah. So the non-duality based on, you know, put on top of that recovery, uh, that was like the last answer I received 20 something years ago. And I'm open to new answers, none come, you know? And that was an incredible, to me, the last answer has an incredible value because it takes any need for any other answer away. I haven't looked into any other philosophies or shit like that ever since, because I saw the futility in this case, I'm not going to talk about anyone else, but my looking to get out reinforces the belief I'm in. Yeah. And that's the only that that's the dualistic movement I know. Yeah. I don't like what I'm feeling now. I want to get out of it. 
Yeah, or yes, I want to get into some, I want this to stay. I want it to stabilize. I always want to feel just like this. This is all duality because duality is like a, the coin of this, of the dualistic realm is always two-sided. No matter how many times you cut that coin, it's still two-sided. You're going to get what you, you're looking for the one side, you're going to get at least a little of the other side. Yeah. And this is a freedom from that currency. It's negating that currency. Yeah. It's negating that the object is the subject. Yeah. Which most, if you looked at the head for five minutes or 50 years, its complete premise it's based on is the object is the subject. So, Paul, pictured as an object, is conscious. Yeah. The perceived is what's perceiving. Where then there was a famous Zen master, Huang Po, came by and he said, listen, whatever can be perceived can't be perceived. This doesn't mean there isn't perceiving, but it's just getting it very clear that which can be perceived, which is Paul as this body, is not what's perceiving. That which is being called and remembered as the seer, this body is not seeing. Yeah, that's, that's the invitation of non-duality. Am I sliding again? Sorry. Leave me the screen. Yeah. So that's it. And it's just an invitation. It's, there's no uniform. There's no draft. You know. Because basically, inherently... It doesn't matter because all the shenanigans that we can get up to here or we can go through here is, does not change, does not set off a, a vibratory wave in the infinity of emptiness. It doesn't. It's sort of like a cloud that has its say right now in the sky, but that cloud is going to inevitably move, yes? And what's always there at all times is the sky. We are of the sky. Yeah? The mental state is of the clouds. That's all. Yeah. So, and if you keep seeing a cloud from a cloud, it's going to be very cloudy. <laughs> you know, it's nice to see the cloud from the sky, because then from the sky point, like we say in AA, this too shall pass. With deep assurance, not out of fear with the hopes it will work, but with deep assurance, this too shall pass. Because it does. That's the fact. So non-duality has been uh, it's illuminated recovery in my my humble observation. It allowed me to see the true nature of the wrong. And when I saw I was not the tag or the name for that nature of the wrong self, I saw it as not me. And when I saw it as not me, finally the possibility I could be free from it appeared. And when that appeared, it told me I'd been trying to be free as self since I was about six or seven years old, in one form or another, yes? And uh, I wasn't and I'm not that. So that's why it was never gonna work. Yeah, so the freedom, wanting to be free as self, is the bondage of self. That's the thing. 
being free from self is the relief from the bondage of self. And now selfing is going to continue. But what, what gives it a historical rock to constantly uh, refer to and insinuate is the idea of being the historical self. Selfing can drive one crazy. But self is a whole different ballgame. When there's an identification of, of that disturbing activity, then that you can be disturbed with any other activity. Yeah? You now become a noun, disturbed, instead of just noticing disturbing or chaotic or static frequencies, you think you are a static frequency. Yeah. So this whole point is to see it as a verb, it ha doesn't have the ability to defeat you. To take it as a noun, you're already defeated. Yeah. You're already, watch, don't, we have it, bro, you know. We don't, it's like in, like in Catholicism, they would, you know, you're saddled with like original sin. And again, I don't remember. <laughs> You've got mortal sin or something. You did something so bad, you think you would be able to remember, but you have no memory, but that's, all right, that's your starting point. Original sin can't be removed, can't be fucking cleared up. And you know, good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? So in the head with the selfing, it does a similar thing. It doesn't tell you you're going to become a self. It says you already are one, doesn't it? It talks as if you already are one. The assumption is so assured, so taken for granted, it's like the rock of Gibraltar in a certain sense. So, and basically, when that's the case, it leaves you very few options, which is one of them is getting out of it. <laughs> really, basically, you're so in it, the only option in duality is to try to get out of it. And a lot of us are experts at trying to get out of it. And we can pass on that knowledge of how that has failed. You know, some people do it with spiritual seeking. We can do it with drug addiction. I was a perfect drug user. Yeah. And if anyone was going to transcend this place, I would. I was willing to die with, with, with fixed, you know, overdoses on cocaine with the hopes that there would be a 30 seconds when the, the whole body was shutting down, I'd be freed from self. It seemed worth it to me, though. It was insane. I see worth it to me. So I gave it my best shot. And uh, you can't get out of an imaginary place. The dreamt object can't be a dreamt object if it attempts to leave the dream. <laughs> if it ever hits the border of dream, no dream, it's going to just dissipate like the cloud. Because it's of the dream. It's not in a dream, it's of the dream. We are an appearance that can only appear in a dreamscape. If it tries to transcend it, there's nothing there. <laughs> That's what always sucked. I'd come back, you know. I'd go out. Sometimes it was a long time. And when I was brought back, I would be in the same scenario I usually was in. The cops were there, were medics, and I was in North Beach. <laughs> Where the fuck? I didn't even get to Nirvana. It was North Beach again. <laughs> and it probably could have gone on forever until something dropped in and put a stop to it. 
because I could not see that which I was seeing from. I called it me. I didn't, and all the spiritual stuff I did never really uh, gave a clear description that there was an activity going on, Paul, while Paul thinks it's doing a lot of shit. And you're not that Paul that thinks it's doing a lot of shit. You may get you're not the one who's doing the shit, but you're not the little voice that talks about, well, I'm not the one doing the shit. You're not that. Yeah. You can't be known. You can't be experienced. You can't be gotten. You're not of this place. Yeah. Like it says, whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. You could say whatever can be known can't be knowing. Yeah. Whatever can whatever can be seen can't be seen. Whatever can be heard can't be the hearing. Yeah. It's incomprehensible. That's the point. You don't get to the most subtle understanding. You realize you're never going to understand. That's what it gets. That's the freedom from understanding is you get the understanding can has a very, very severe limit. It's pretty much based on the box it's coming from, which is this idea of self-centeredness. Yeah. So when we see something that works perfectly, we call it a paradox because we're viewing it from wrong thinking. We can't make any fucking sense of things. Like the Course says, you don't understand a word, you don't understand anything awareness is telling you <laughs> because the head, yeah, the voice box that gets the voices, makes up and spits out an understanding. <laughs> it doesn't have it doesn't have any possibility. You're not here to know the stars. You're here to know how to get the Sausalito maybe. <laughs> so oh, wait a minute i'm sliding so this is what happens you come to these realizations that you're never going to get it but it's it's like a hallelujah where before if you told me i was never going to get it and the only belief i had is i gotta get it it would be a super bummer but now it's hallelujah because you can there's a big exhale and you stop relying on a system that can't bring you to where you already are. It can only take you other places. Yes? The usefulness is given isn't useful in this topic about being what you are. It's not useful. For you as what you're not to try to become or be what you are is fantasy because you're already that. So you see what you're not, and that relief brings you an immediacy or a sense of intimacy of what you are being, yeah? And then you don't believe, you're not gonna buy a book about how to get into the moment because you're super clear you've never been out of a moment. You're not gonna, if someone says, I got a layaway plan for you to arrive, no, <laughs> new, new, new. Yeah, it's gonna be like the, uh, it's gonna be like a, the pe people with the hardwood floors, they're probably not gonna buy a vacuum. Yeah, because the, va the vacuum thing is assuming you got rugs, you don't got rugs. Yeah, so as the guy's talking to you and it's a great vacuum, you're just remembering, <laughs> I don't have any rugs. <laughs> I love the machine, it's great, but I have no use for it. That's relief, yes? Yeah. That's relief. Relief isn't something that was manufactured or managed or achieved. It's a relief from all of that. Yeah. 
just like the, this lady, I liked what she, she was saying, but she was talking a little bit about, you know, just forgive. I said, what? You know, I mean, if I could, I would have. The point is, I'm not finding any forgiveness from this. <laughs> I've been sentenced. I've been convicted tons of times in the court of the mental king. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no forgiveness isn't an avenue of relief. Yeah? It's sort of like when they used to tell us out there, family member, why don't you just stop? They wouldn't get the feeling of being driven by addiction. Yeah? I would if I could. You know? Why don't you just stop? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. That never crossed my mind. <laughs> I'm incapable of it in the condition I find myself. And if that condition was me, which it isn't, it would be a hopeless state of mind and body. And what are you going to do faced with a hopeless state of mind and body? You're going to try to escape, even if it's for a fucking second. You're going to drink that shit that you don't even like just to change that feeling. Because who wants to address that? Yeah. But no, it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. It's appearing to us to be true. And it can just as easily appear to us not to be true. It's not about the appearing to true or not to true, it's the us. What condition are we in? Yeah, is done to see what's going on. So when we're in one condition, it's a hopeless state of mind and body. When in another condition, it's seemingly hopeless. Fucking there's your crack in the door, yes? So I'm sorry, I'm falling back there. Uh, yeah, so that's that. You never get gypped, which is nice. You're here all the time. Sleeping, wake. <clears throat> when your head says, I've, I really spaced out. You didn't space out anywhere. You may have spaced out, but there's no out in this space of here and now. <laughs> You're always confined in here and now. And the head hates that, so it acts as if it could be somewhere else, but it can't, yeah? That's the great news. You come to a fit yourself around the situation instead of trying to fit it around you. You fit yourself around it. If you hear this message and it lands, it's sort of like going into a shoe store. Someone says these shoes are very comfortable. You try them, they fit, wear them. So this is what non-duality is. It's an invitation maybe to borrow a pair of glasses and see what life looks as at to you and see what it's like. And maybe, just maybe, the relief is really in the frame of it, not changing the picture so much, but seeing that the frame isn't what you thought. Yes? How you think things are is just how you think things are. <laughs> They're not capturing how things are. It's how you think things are, yeah? If you lose interest in the thoughts, you'll be directed by something other than thoughts, which is awesome. Because if I'm directed by the thoughts, I'm going to fucking act out. Yeah. I'll return into an inability to have a viable relationship with another person. I'll go into my little attic, yeah? just uh, 
end up being alone and right. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, any questions there? Anybody want to raise their hands? Uh, not yet. All right, about, well, does anybody there want to be a spotter for you so that you keep your face centered? No, nah, they wouldn't do that. They, they, they just can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> All right, here we are. My, my face is in there now, eh? Yeah, it's very good right now. Yeah. I hope you remember what I look like by now. Oh, I have no problem now. <laughs> Seriously, I would yeah, think no, it's not my issue. <laughs> facial uh, expression. <laughs> I've just had a couple of comments by chat at times oh, all right, asking all right. if you could <laughs> they could see your face. All right, yeah. <laughs> I get carried away, you know that, Mike. Oh yeah, now I'm not expecting you to do it. That's why I was wondering if anybody wanted to spot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He's learned well. <laughs> so everyone calls Amelia now. No one calls me. No one calls me. They call Amelia to get in touch with me. <laughs> Uh, all right anyone have a question there Still you no hands. hands no hands all right well we can end soon or whatever i have a friend an old friend of mine from recovery so i love singing uh i love to hide the notes of non-duality in a song of recovery yeah, I do. I think it goes really well. Yeah, you can put it in there and not miss a beat. Yes, Tommy. How did you stumble? You're in recovery. You're actually in holding programs in recovery. How did you stumble upon Montreal? Uh, you know how life goes, but so he's Tommy just threw me a softball. So how did I stumble on non-duality? I'll tell you if you have a little time. So Annette knows me from back then. So when I got started to get sober, the only adult time in my life that I thought was pretty good, like when I looked at wedges of my life since like 12 on, the best time was when I got introduced with, to this spiritual group when I was 20 years old, 19 to 24. So I had just come off of, I was still on a pre-probation program. Yeah, and, uh, but I had been using, you know, I got into a lot of trouble and I was still using while under probation and stuff. But a friend of mine, Paul Haran, who's passed away, came back to our hometown and told me he gotten, got initiated in this uh, not meditation thing called the knowledge. And why don't you, you should go to the city and they're going to have a big uh, meeting and see if you want to get initiated. So I did because I was interested and I, re I used to deal drugs with them. I had a respect for them. <laughs> and uh, so I went and I got introduced to this, this way of life, you know, started. And I liked to meditate. And I had realized about early 19 that it had to be an inside job. I had done a lot of hallucinogens, a lot of narcotics, and I was living up in New Hampshire, and I'd be out there at night, and, I, and it came to the conclusion, it's, it's going to be an inside job. So it may be sort of open to, the, like, spirituality. 
So when I met these people, I started to meditate and got into service. And uh, I drank about three Heinekens in those five years, really. But the last month or so, I did some coke for a guy at the airport who was another member. But that was it for five years. Fucking great. Good. It was really good. And then, uh, but I didn't, I started not liking the situation uh, because this young kid was the guru and they were presenting him as the Lord of the universe. And I didn't like the Lord of the universe seemingly. So I was in a real bad mental state. Because who's, you know, who leaves the Lord of the universe? So I wanted to leave. So the only thing that gave me permission to leave was getting loaded again. So that's what happened. Got loaded and just went off from there. And then I ended up getting sober. So I had remember that. So I tried to do go back to what had worked. So I started to, took me three years to meditate because my head was just fucked, you know, from all this stuff. And about three or four years to do Tai Chi again. And uh, just started to go that way. And I didn't want to be in a guru situation. It wasn't for me. So and then I was looking into Buddhism and I got interested in it. I went to Thailand and I went to a lot of temples, did some retreats there with this meditative technique called Vipassana. So I did a, I gave it a, was given it a good shot. I was, I loved the concepts. I read of the ancient path of the Buddha by a, a, an English monk in Ceylon, Sri Lanka now. I liked his presentation, very clear, and my head was getting it. So that's what happened. So then AA, I recovered from all the shit, the action figure got back on the road of life. And then, so I was doing, I had this Buddhism going on, and then it led me to uh, non-dwelling in Berkeley, 90, 97, I think. 98, I heard this lady from Eastern Europe speak. And I didn't even know what she was saying, but I felt something. And then when I started to, to uh, read the descriptions of the futility of looking for what you already are, it's fit, it was describing very, very intimately what I thought I was doing. Yeah, so I was a perfect uh, customer for that spiritual shoe store because what they were putting out, it fit. Like, you cannot, you know, whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. All this shit was just hitting me. And then it just, uh, I don't know, whatever part of the structure needed to be uh, taken down was taken down. Still maybe a structure there, but what was holding it up was, you know, I was convinced of a lot of ideas. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I had a, a lot of big samples, had a lot of the energetic shit happen, but I didn't see any of that. I just, I like the dog shit awareness of, of just being awake to being awake. Yeah. In other words, the head, this, a large part of what's before the head, that's still of the head, is clear that it, there's only awakeness, yeah? So the idea of seemingly being asleep has been shipped to seemingly being awake. 
but the facts the same. All there is is awakeness. But I feel what's awake can seem to be asleep to that here, or it can seem to be awake to that here. And I feel uh, that's the condition. Yeah, so that's what happened. And then it ruined my career in uh, recovery. <laughs> No, no, this was after. I was leading recovery things like the third year of sobriety. Okay. I started doing those, the fourth step workshops. So. And then you took off. Well, the fourth step workshop got turned into a non-duality meeting, really. Not intentionally, but just what was happening, things were changing. So what I saw as a solution changed. Yeah. I see it as a solution, but I don't see it as the solution. I think the, the solution is has nothing, has no relationship with a problem. The solution is not of problem solution. The solution is like the sky. Yeah, whatever can appear in it doesn't affect it. So I, I humbly believe that what we call a spiritual awakening and recovery is our inherent state. Yeah, in other words, and it hasn't been altered or changed ever by whatever happens. It's sort of like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the, all, this, all the scribbling on an Etch-a-Sketch doesn't, it's not affecting the whole Etch-a-Sketch, it's just the screen. You just hit a knob and it's gone. Yes, it's a, so basically, I feel a lot of, you know, those, you know, those little bugs on a pond that sort of like ski on the, uh, this is, this is our, this is the impression we leave on the, on the surface of the screen, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's forgotten quickly, but you know, with us, it's, and it can mean so much, you know, and so what gives so much meaning to things needs to be seen. Yeah, so that there can be a loss of interest in it. Because it's like when I was a kid and I wanted to look at that bug because I couldn't see it better. So I went in the kitchen and got the magnifying glass and I started looking at it. I had no idea that the sun had moved and it was over my shoulder and it was coming through the magnifying and I was killing, I killed the bug while I was looking at it. <laughs> it was a very important message there. Yeah, that light misdirected and magnified can f cause a sort of, sort of a hell. When it's dispersed, that's joyous. That's the presence, yeah? When it's focused and fucking, it can be like a laser, like a you know, weapon. And I feel the myopic uh, aspect of self-centeredness is everything gets funneled into this this object seen as a subject, and it's just way too much. So this isn't uh, a focused, concentrated, like laser-like vision. It's more of a relaxed, you know, more of a panoramic, panoramic vision, yeah? Now the panoramic vision sees the myopic vision. The myopic vision does not see the panoramic vision. So this, yes? The, the, pan, the myopic would be more like a cloud in the sky, and the panoramic would be more like the sky in the sky. Yeah? 
So for the cloud to be the most important thing, it can't notice the sky. So the myopic view is defensive and jealous. It sounds like the Old Testament God, you know? It's just, don't do anything before me. It does, really. I think that's what they were hearing. They were hearing the head, you know? Yeah, so, and then the panoramic, but the panoramic, panoramic isn't uh, exclusive. It's inclusive. It allows, you know, you see a lot of shit. Yeah, it's not like censored or... Or it's not like a PG to an R to an X movie. You'll see the mixture of it all. Yeah. Yet uh, that target has been moved. You know, you're not that everything being seen as how it pertains to you. You're not pertaining to the you anymore, at least. So now it's more. It's like this. So when I was with the Buddhism. The Buddhism was, you were getting realizations, right? Or something was happening. So you were like this more, you know, things were getting bigger, bigger, bigger. Now, non-duality was more like this. And then you saw this. The realizations being claimed and shit wasn't affording me a seeing this. This was still the one claiming to have the realizations. But the realization of non-duality is, you, you are now seen to be in front of the camera, not behind the camera, which is very important. Uh, it's like getting an, an image of the horse in front of the cart so that when your life keeps telling you the cart is in front of the horse, you just have that image to, yeah, yeah, to rely on. Because if you rely on the head's image, it's going to be the cart in front of the horse. If you rely on the horse in front of the cart, no matter how it looks, it's always the horse in front of the cart. Yeah? What's happening here doesn't change what's happening here. What's happening here doesn't change what's happening here. It doesn't. Yeah? It's all the same. It's all, you know what I mean? All the wind blowing and the electric can't shake the foundation. Yeah? Look at a movie and a screen. You can have an army movie, tons of blowing up, the screen doesn't get ripped. You can have a very melancholy movie, the screen doesn't get wet. You know what I mean? The screen is the, you know, you can show 800 movies. The, your big investment as the theater is you just buy one screen. Screen, the screen doesn't have an expiration date after you've shown 800 movies, you gotta get a new screen, no. The screen can hold as many movies as you want to play. You can 24-7. Oh, the screen. Someone help the screen. No, give it a break. You know, let it be empty. No, it's completely empty. That's why it can show the, yeah. Yeah, that's my feeling about it. So, yeah, anyone out there? No. Hey, Matthew, how are you doing? Better? Much better, Paul. I'm home from the hospital. Good. And, um, you know, it's just a happening. I've been listening to a lot of Ramesh, Balsakar, and you lately. So that's been great. Great. Good. Good. I hope, nice I hope to, to come and see you next week at the church or at well, your we're going to have it at the house next week. So come to my house. Okay. I'll see you at your house next week. It'll be nicer. And uh, we'll have food and stuff and everything. Yeah. And then we're leaving. This will be the last. We won't be here for the whole September. 
Okay. Yeah. When you're think, in Italy, will you be doing the Zoom? Or? I think so. We'll figure it out. So I'll be on the website. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Paul. All right. So maybe we'll end. What time is it now? 59. Two o'clock. When did we start? One. All right. That's enough. That's enough of nothing. That's right. That's enough nothing. We can't. We don't need. You don't want to go overboard, do you? No. Hey, thanks for sitting through it, brother. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Oh yeah, pass the hat. Uh, oh, Chris. Yeah, whatever. All right. So, we, hey, Mike, we're gonna shut it down. I think, eh? Unless there's a question. Nope, not right now. All right. Well, let's say help. There's William. Thanks for sticking with us, William. I'm hoping it's doing something. Ben, Ben Clark. Well. Yes. What's there to say to Ben Clark? Nothing. We got, uh, who's this? Oh, yeah, my man. It says Rainier here, but I know him as Harim. Yes. How are you? All right. You gave uh, we, got, up. we got Johannes. Oh, as always, a pleasure, bro. Deborah, she looks like she's in an Escher house. Let's go. Mika, I forget. I can say it only. Mika, something. Michaela. Michaela, how are you? Michaela? I'm good, Paul. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. We have Tommy there. We got Tariq, embedded in Dover, New Jersey. Always a pleasure. Tariq, oh, all's well. Yeah, all good, Paul. Thank you. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank really thank you for Mike C. We got Sherry. Stefan on having never left. Kenneth. What? Matthew. Anu. Nice to see you, Anu. All's well? Yeah, good. We got John from Florida. Yeah. Nice to see you, John. Tim R, he's left the scene. Mark N, Mark, yes. Nice to see you, Mark. Hi, Paul. Nice to see you. I hope all is going well there. Yeah, it, it is what it is, Paul, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, you can call me anytime. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Uh, we've got John C, Mr. Connolly, Mika. Oh no, we got Mickey from Madeira. There she is. Roman. We got uh, James Phone. Nice to see you. We got Rob. This is another Rob, I think. Eh? Yeah. We got Zoe. <laughs> David B. Yeah, nice to see you, David, and the significant other. <laughs> Natalie, Natalie, Natalie. Hey, nice to meet you. Is this Janine? Yes. Janine, all is well? All is well, yes. Good. We got Thank Angie. You. Oh, you're welcome, Janine. I may yeah. need your hot tub soon. I don't know. Yes, anytime, honey. We got Andy. Nice to see you, hon. 
Yes? We got Mark. Oh, Mark V. He dropped, he comes every few years. Very nice. Nice to see you, Mark. Very efficient. Very good. Rich, uh, we got Rich H. It's the same message, eh? Yep. <laughs> we got Jim. Jim uh, just took off, I think. We got Vlad. I'm going to be seeing Vlad shortly. Hi. Hi, Paul. <laughs> nice to see you, bro. Good to see you, Paul. Thank you. Welcome. Miss Amelia. There she is. Uh, the love of my life. Chris. Oh, Chris uh, changed hats. Threw me off there, Chris. Yeah. Oh, it's just the angle. Uh, we got oh, Alan. I have a we couple got a lot of the heavyweights here today. Jeez. We got Alan and uh, Mark. Hey, we got uh, Teresa and Miles. Wow. Nice. It's very nice to meet them in Sebastopol. Very good. Yeah. Susan K, my latte lady. Kathleen G, Jimmy R. Yeah, we ask his protection and care with complete abandon. Bruce, uh, I think that's, oh, oh Malkin, Malkin's back. And some phone numbers, Oliver and in Berlin. I think that's about it. Listen, oh, Rob, another Rob there. Hey, Zoo, oh, we got to go. The cops are here. <laughs> 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 we got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>